Today on Locked On Dolphins, a look at Miami Dolphins general manager Chris Greer and his resume as a drafter and putting it into context when you compare it to the rest of the NFL. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the host of Locked On Dolphins, the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Friday, July 7th, 2023. Special shout out to our everydayers who are locked in with us on a daily basis here on the Locked On Network. And I feel like I owe some of you an apology. <laughs> um, throughout the course of this week, I had gotten a number of YouTube comments on the YouTube channel in relation to general manager Chris Greer and the job that he has and has not done. And I am personally a big uh, believer in the work that Chris Greer is doing. I think the process that the Dolphins have undertaken is very, very good. Uh, even if all of the results are not where uh, we would like them to be in a utopian world, but it's not a utopian world because there's uh, a lot of other influences and, and impacts on your success. Uh, and the Dolphins have had some self-inflicted wounds and, we're going to look specifically today at one area of general manager Chris Greer. But as I got these comments, uh, I try and look the other way. But then I eventually I said something on Twitter. And next thing you know, I had an exchange, uh, a very good exchange with Omar Kelly, uh, who I know has uh, his own strong beliefs in this. And now everybody on Dolphins social media is talking about Chris Greer and the job that he's done. And everybody was in a tizzy yesterday about Chris Greer. So I did, I did the work uh, that I felt I needed to do to, to provide my opinion. Now I will say this, if you are one of those people who checks out the YouTube channel of the podcast and you don't like the work that Chris Greer is doing, you might want to come back on Monday because this one's going to get pretty passionate from me as far as the work that Chris Greer has done. Um, the first question that you have to ask, however, is where does the line start and stop for Chris Greer? He's been the Dolphins general manager by title since 2016, but yet he didn't take unfettered control of football operations until 2019 because there was an executive vice president of football operations and Mike Tannenbaum who was operating beside and or above him from 2016 to 2018. So from my point of view, the vision of the team and the approach and the, the team building processes that the Dolphins have adopted that are the ideology of Chris Greer, I can't apply that until I know for sure you are calling the shots. And even if Chris Greer, people have referenced his, his draft resume, right? and say, oh, well, they, they've only landed a handful of good players, and that's the entire point of today's show is to put what the Dolphins have collected from a draft standpoint uh, into context. But even if Chris Greer was unilaterally responsible for all drafting, 
from 2016 to present day. You have some good picks in there. You have some bad picks in there. And the bad picks are missed opportunities. And I won't gloss over that. You will acknowledge every missed draft capital investment, be it Charles Harris in 2017, who is not a part of this exercise because it was in 2017, or Austin Jackson slash Noah Igbenogany in the first round in 2020. Those are missed opportunities that hurt your football team's winning opportunity or winning window. There's no question about that. But there is a certain level, like there's layers. This is a chestnut checkers proposition, right? And we'll get into the draft picks that they actually made. But my point is this, even if Chris Greer was unilaterally responsible for all drafting, if you don't think somebody else deciding how to spend your free agent dollars and what players to sign when free agency opens in March, and then you have to fill out a roster and the draft is at the end of April, and you spend dollars to fill holes in the roster, and you're expected to now draft and fill out a competitive roster and end up drafting for need, if you don't think that puts you at a disadvantage, I don't know what to tell you. And that's why, for me, the line starts at 2019 because there is no longer an EVP over top of you. Now, if you want to say, well, Chris Greer's been with the Dolphins organization for 20 years and they haven't won anything, uh, surely you're holding him accountable for interest rates and gas prices too, right? Chris Greer is a national scout or an area scout or the director of college football uh, operations for the Dolphins, which is what he was from like 2000 when he came in until 2015, like 15 years of college scouting ranks. If you want to hold him accountable for the wins and losses there, uh, you're, you're probably not going to enjoy the rest of the show. And that's okay. You can think whatever you want to think, but I'm here to tell you there is not a single director of college football operations, director of college scouting, who's sitting in the draft room on draft weekend calling the shots and making decisions. All you can do is do the process. And if you're a process-oriented individual, I think those are the people that probably find more appeal in who Chris Greer is as a general manager. I'm not telling you, you your opinion is definitively right or wrong. You have the right to feel however you want to feel. But there is a certain level of uh, context that matters with those 15 years before he was the general manager. And then the first three years he's the general manager, there's still somebody over top of him. So that for me is why when I assess Chris Greer, and the job that he has done in building this team, it is from 2019 to the present day. That is why when we did the um, comparison of the Dolphins roster on opening day in 2019 to present day, it's because that's when the commitment to this build started. And if you want to look at 2019 to present day, and I've seen this as well, and say, well, if you include the playoffs, his career record's 33 and 34. We all know what 2019 was supposed to be. Let's not act like that season is weighted from a wins and loss perspective the same way as every other season. We know what that roster was supposed to be based on what they chose to do. So if you want to judge it on from when they got it down to the foundation, they went through the evaluation year, and you push play on 2020, this team has the 10th most wins in the NFL in 28 over the last three seasons, and they're one of four teams with three consecutive winning seasons or more. 
I don't know what to tell you. So that's where this evaluation window, and, and I have logged every draft pick that every team has made since 2019. And I've looked at which of those players are still on the roster of the team that drafted them. And we've put those players into buckets, cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, quality depth, replacement level players, incomplete evaluations, practice squad caliber players, and non-NFL roster caliber players. You put them all in buckets. I have every draft pick for the last five years. And I can do this because over at Locked On NFL Scouting, Joe Marino and I have spent the last two months studying the entire roster of every team in the NFL and doing that exact exercise with every player. So now all I have to do is go into our database and pull the players in the categories and the assignments that they were given. But I have created a table here. And it's looking at what your premier returns are on your draft picks over the last five years, 2019 to present day. Now, there are no 2023 players included because they're all rookies and they haven't taken a snap yet. So it's effectively a four-year snapshot, 2019 to 2022. What you got for those draft classes and how many quality starters, roster cornerstones, adequate starters, and all the way down the list, how you did with your picks. We're going to talk next about Chris Greer and uh, the job that he did across these five draft classes. We're going to summarize those draft classes and refresh that for everybody here next on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, right now is the perfect time for you to take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball. With our friends over at FanDuel, you can get up to 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you can land 200 bucks back, win or lose with your first bet with FanDuel. It's $200 that you can spend on anything from uh, the money line to the over-under to who's going to hit the first home run, all on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. And best of all with FanDuel, when you win, you get paid out immediately. There's no better place than FanDuel to bet Major League Baseball, which is America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. That's $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose with your first bet at locked on promo code FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. So let's talk Dolphins draft classes. Uh, this exercise, this assessment of Chris Greer, if you will, starts in 2019. And that was a draft class for the Dolphins in which they were only looking at draft picks. We're not looking at traded players. We're not looking at UDFAs. We're not looking at uh, any of that. We're just isolating the component of Chris Greer's resume as a drafter since he has taken over complete football operations control in 2019. A 2019 draft class um, had two picks in the top 150, a testament to kind of the pre-2019 ideology uh, of chasing, if you will, 
Now, also, there was the <clears throat> Josh Rosen experience in there as well. And it was a low, relative low risk, high ceiling swing of the bat at a premium position. Uh, that's a conversation for another day because it was not a draft pick that was spent on a rookie. That draft class, defensive tackle Christian Wilkins at 13th overall, interior offensive lineman Michael Dieter in the 70s, linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle at pick 151, offensive tackle Isaiah Prince, 202, Chandler Cox, fullback, 233, and running back Miles Gaskin, 234. That was that first draft class for Chris Greer. And I think it's worth acknowledging, too. One of the things that I have done with this draft study, and I have some materials I'm going to put up here in segment three for all of you who are watching on the YouTube channel to be able to fully process this. 70, more than 75% of all the teams in the NFL, more than 75% of their five best players that they have drafted in the last five seasons, have come inside the top 75 picks of their respective NFL draft. And I mentioned that because when you talk about hits and misses and wins and losses in the draft, your success rate for sixth and seventh round picks is, it's a scratch-off lottery ticket. Not all draft picks, and when you're weighting wins and losses, are created equal. You have to hit inside the first three rounds. You're not always going to hit inside the first three rounds, but you have to hit inside the first three rounds in order to consistently have a talented roster. Because the guys that go late, they're going late for a reason. Now, some of those cases, like Trey Smith with uh, the Tennessee Volunteers who went to the Kansas City Chiefs in the sixth round, dropped because of medical questions. Other guys dropped because of character questions. Other guys drop because they're not good athletes, but they're good football players. But when your first draft class has one pick inside the top 75, and that was voluntary, they could have made another pick in the 60s or at 48 before they traded back. I'll acknowledge that. But that first class had one pick, Christian Wilkins, inside the top 75. That's important because when we're tracking wins and losses, I'm going to put a lot of extra focus on what did you do with your picks inside the top 75? And just remember that this, the second class was of course the first of the two loaded top heavy draft classes in which the dolphins uh, had a surplus of first round talent and second round talent courtesy of the Laramie Tunsil trade. And then you go to 2021 and you'll have the Philadelphia Eagles trade back scenario that we'll cover as well. So Tua Tonga Valo quarterback at fifth overall. Obviously, that's top 75 pick. It's an important one. Uh, you have a total of one, two, three, four, five, six picks in the top 75. So you made six picks in the same window that you only had one pick the previous season, your first season. Austin Jackson, 18. It's not good. Noig Benogany at 30. It's not good. But then you bounce back. You get Robert Hunt at 39th. It's good value, good quality starter. You get a fringe, adequate level starter. I grade him as quality depth, but that's just my personal assessment of some of the physical limitations with how big his frame is. But you get a, a nose tackle who is a starter for you, Raekwon Davis, at pick 56. Safety, Brandon Jones. He's a starting safety. He's an adequate level starter at pick 70. So three of your six picks are adequate starters or better. Two of those six picks are quality starters right now. 
based off the information that we have. We're all hopeful that Tua Tungvaloa can become a roster cornerstone. I want to see you play and stay healthy for a season, and you do that, and I'll put you in the cornerstone bucket based off the play that you gave us last season. Your day three picks. These are all outside the top 75. I don't think you're going to find a lot of appealing wins here, but again, it's more about 76% to be exact of the five best players across all 32 teams over the last, since the 2019 draft came inside the top 75 picks. So that's where the talent lives. Uh, another 12 and percent were between picks 76 and 125, and then 11% after pick 125 of your five best players drafted. Uh, so you go to Solomon Kinley at 111. Never really got the weight issues under control. Uh, grade him as a replacement level player. Then you have Jason Strobridge, Curtis Weaver, long snapper Blake Ferguson, who is an adequate level starter. It's a long snapper, but nevertheless, you got him at 185 in 2020. And then wide receiver Malcolm Perry in the 240s. Don't have a lot to show on day three. You have plenty to show for on day one. But you did miss some opportunities. So if we're going to be completely fair and objective, the miss of Austin Jackson, or at least it seems like a miss right now, and the miss of Noah Benogany, I don't think there's any question that that one is a miss, um, hurts your opportunity to, to compete and win. There's no question. 2021, however, your first three picks came inside the top 40. You got roster cornerstone players with all of them. We all know this at this point. It's Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, and Javon Holland. Your only other top 75 pick was offensive lineman Lee Meikenberg. I grade him right now as a replacement level player. So if you look at picks on day one and two, the Dolphins very clearly, and we know this as well, but this is the reinforcement that you need because we're being completely objective right now. You drafted four offensive linemen since 2019 on days one or two. Michael Dieter, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley early on day three, you traded up for him at 111. And Lee Eikenberg. And they're all replacement level players. Maybe it's a good thing we didn't draft anybody. <laughs> now, I will say also that there is the, the continued discussion of what the Dolphins' offensive line coaching situation has looked like, and you've in, in, invoked a scheme change there. Uh, um, but that lack of continuity is, is crippling for your ability to develop offensive linemen and develop offensive linemen. Historically, what's actually very interesting about their development as NFL players, the vast majority of them, the really special ones like the Rayshon Slaters of the world, they can come in and play at a super high level immediately. Tristan Wirth, same thing. The vast majority of offensive linemen do not experience a significant leap in their level of play until year three. Several studies done on that. And then you had two, uh, Picks in the late 230s or later in Larnell Coleman and Jared Dokes. Neither one's with the team at this point. They're practice squad developmental players. Uh, 2022, of course, there were no picks in the top 75. There are no picks in the top 100. Channing Tindall, 102. As people are sitting here bemoaning this pick of Channing Tindall as this massive missed opportunity in Eric Azucama at 125. Statistically speaking, 12.5% of every team's five best players drafted since 2019 came in that window of picks. I'm not going to beat us up over it. And they're still incomplete evaluations. We don't know what they're going to be. They've only been in the league one season and they hardly played. 
And Cameron Good, 224, and Skylar Thompson at 247. I would say Thompson's also still an incomplete evaluation, although we did see him play some meaningful football. And then, of course, this year's draft class, Cam Smith at 51, Devon A-Chain in the 80s, Elijah Higgins, 197, Ryan Hayes, 238. Statistically speaking, the Cam Smith pick is the fascinating one. It came at pick 51, and the Devon A-Chain one is in a window where I think it's still close enough to 75 that it might be a hit for you, statistically speaking. Um, but we got to see these guys in action and see what they do. So they're they're not going to be, you will see no rookies on any team's five best players drafted since 2019. So when you break it down from a numbers perspective, inside the top 75 picks, Chris Greer has four cornerstone players, two quality starters, one adequate level starter, one current rookie that we don't know what he is. The four cornerstone players are Christian Wilkins, Javon, uh, uh, Jalen Waddell, Jalen Phillips, and Javon Holland. The two quality starters are Tua Tungvaloa and Robert Hunt. The adequate level starter is Brandon Jones. The incomplete player as the rookie is Cam Smith. They drafted one quality depth player in Raquan Davis, and they drafted three replacement level players in Liam Eikenberg, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenok. Inside the top 75, that's a 58% hit rate and a 33% fail rate with about 8.5% lingering with whatever side of the pendulum Cam Smith ends up falling to. 58% though, adequate starters are better with picks inside the top 75. It's a great place to be. That is a healthy, healthy number. And that is why from a process standpoint, I understand you missed opportunities, but that's why you play the game the way the Dolphins played the game to build the roster and hoard the assets because ain't nobody hitting 100%, I promise you. And that's what we're going to do next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So let's talk about it. Uh, if you're on the YouTube channel with us, if you're not on YouTube, I would highly recommend you hit subscribe to the channel and come swing by and check it out. But if you are on the YouTube channel, hello. We are going to, at this point, pull up the study that I did. And this is every team across the NFL, their five best players with an honorable mention, so it's technically six, but I scored the best five players drafted since 2019 that are still on your roster as of present day. And what you will see, if you look at this table, which is color-coded, and we have the key and the index over on the left-hand side, cornerstones are navy blue, quality starters are light blue, adequate starters are yellow, replacement-level players are orange, quality depth is purple, incomplete evaluations, a.k.a. we don't know yet, we need more inf information, is pink. It's a lot of the guys that were drafted last year are pink, and so on and so forth. What you will see is there is not a single team in the NFL aside of the Dolphins who has drafted four cornerstone players since 2019. They are the only team. And if you expand it to cornerstone players and quality starters, here's how deep the list runs. The Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson. Two linebackers, two wide receivers, and Joe Burrow. 
The Miami Dolphins, Jalen Waddle, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, Tua Tungavaloa. Honorable mention, Robert Hunt. You have six. The Bengals have five. Their next best was Jonah Williams, who is an adequate starter at this stage. The San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Dre Greenlaw, Talanoa Hafunga. All quality starters are better. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, who's technically an incomplete evaluation, but the, the technicality there when Joe Marino and I did the exercise on Locked On NFL Scouting was, is he a cornerstone player or is he the quality starter? It's really the switch flip for him about halfway through his second season. So we put him as an incomplete evaluation, but he, he would be in either bucket, so I'm going to qualify him here. Tyson Campbell, Devon Hamilton, Travis Etienne. Their sixth best player drafted that is still on the team is Andre Sisco, free safety, adequate level star. The Carolina Panthers, Brian Burns, cornerstone, and then four quality starters, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, last year's sixth overall pick in Ike Mikwanu, and Derek Brown. I put the Dallas Cowboys in here as well, Micah Parsons, C.D. Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Tony Pollard, and then Tyler Smith, who's an incomplete evaluation, but really the question there is, is it quality starter, uh, he was a first-round pick for them last year, played very, very well. I think the Jets also have a reasonable case, depending on how Brees Hall bounces back from his injury, with Sauce Garner, Quinn Williams, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and then Brees Hall's their fifth best player that they have drafted, based off the information that we have now, looked really good, but it's a super small sample size, and he's coming back off an injury with a scheme change. That is it, guys. If you want to give everybody every benefit of the doubt, it's the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Jets, the Chargers. Excuse me, not the Chargers, because the Chargers have Trey Pipkins. The Bengals, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Panthers. Those are the only teams in the NFL to draft a, at least five quality starters. And the Dolphins have four cornerstone players. If you want to call me a homer, call me a homer. That's fine. They're also, the Dolphins are the only team out of that group that has a sixth player who is a quality starter that was drafted. In total, with the information that we have right now, roster cornerstones drafted by teams since 2019 who are still on their current team, that count is at about 43 players. It's about eight and a half per year. I'm not a math guy, and some of you guys have started to call me out on this and remind me that, hey, you do a lot of math for not being a math guy. But if there were eight and a half per season and the Dolphins landed four of them across the last five seasons, technically four because we're not counting the class that hasn't played anything yet, if every team acquired at that rate, there would be 128 cornerstones. There is 25% of the amount that the Dolphins hit at the rate of to find cornerstone players since the year 2019. And you can sit here and you can talk about Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany being these crippling misses for this team. And look, guys, I get it. It sucks. You got bad players or not good players or developing players in a team that has been trying to make a playoff run over the last three seasons. 
and you you effectively got very little return on investment there. But at the same time, this happens everywhere across the NFL. And that is why I stacked this information to present it this way so you can see how many quality starters or cornerstones every team has drafted that they have retained to this point in time in the same window in which the Dolphins did it. And if you want to make an argument about volume, that's fine. Make an argument about volume. But then we should probably give the people who decided, hey, we need more draft picks than everybody else. We should probably decide to give them some credit for that decision. Are we really going to sit here and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles drafting Jalen Rager one pick over Justin Jefferson while sitting here and praising Howie Roseman? And Howie Roseman's probably the best general manager in the game of football. But are we really going to sit here and talk about Austin Jackson as a fireable offense when the Eagles did the same thing and drafted Jalen Rager? They actually picked the wide receiver one spot in front of Justin Jefferson. This happens everywhere. I promise you, there are these incidences of missed opportunities in every team across the league. You would be shocked to go across some of the Bill Belichick draft classes since the year, uh, what, you want to go 2019? How's this for a draft class? You had three picks in the top 75. Nikhil Harry, Joan Williams, and Chase Winovich. You get anything there? No. Okay, you got Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche the, the next season. Those are two good players. Uche needs to get a little bit better against the run. I think he can be a quality starter, and Duggar's probably the Patriots' only cornerstone player. Top 75 picks 2021, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. We doing victory laps over Mac Jones still? Mac Jones still in the NFL 100? They used a top 75 pick on wide receiver Tyquan Thornton last year. Incomplete evaluation, we don't know. How about Sony Michelle and Duke Dawson in the top 75 picks? That was 2018. We're going back a little further now. Cyrus Jones, pick 60. Jordan Jordan Richards, pick 64. I mean, the Patriots had a draft class here where they, they spent a couple day, day two picks on guys that are out of the league in, in 2020. Dalton Keene, pick 101. Yet we're sitting here talking about Channing Tindall as a fireable offense. There's some of these teams that haven't drafted a single quality starter in the last five years. Arizona. Kyler Murray has regressed the last couple seasons. We'll see if it's a Cliff Kingsbury problem or not. I'm inclined to think it's not. But even if you want to say, okay, Kyler Murray's good. He gets me fantasy points. You want to put him in that bucket? That's fine. Their next four best drafted players are Isaiah Simmons, who's played three different positions. Marco Wilson at outside corner at pick 136 in 2021. Zayvon Collins. And then Josh Jones is an offensive tackle who's not even a starter for that team. Top five player they've drafted. Look at those draft classes. The LA Rams the last five years, and I get it. You know, they they did the, the Dolphins thing the Dolphins are doing. They're trading all their draft picks. I hear you. But their five best players they've drafted since 2019 that are still on the roster are Van Jefferson, Cam Akers, linebacker Ernest Jones, 
Jordan Fuller at safety and Ben Skoranek. Fullback slash wide receiver extraordinaire. Houston Texans, Titus Howard, Jalen Petrie, Jonathan Grenard, Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley. Stingley was not good last year, and that felt like a layup. It's the third overall pick. About the Cleveland Browns, Greg Newsom, quality starter, nickel player. Jedrick Wills has underwhelmed. Jeremiah Wusu Kormo is an undersized linebacker. Then Grant Delpit and Donovan Peoples Jones. I mean, I could sit here and I can read legitimately every one of these lists and ask you, hey, out of the best five players, who would you rather have? And if you wanted to say, well, I'd rather have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Jermaine Pratt, and Logan Wilson, yeah, I'd probably give you credit for that. Now, they got those picks at one overall in 2021, and the Dolphins tried reportedly to get up to that spot for that player. Sounds like they had the same assessment. Jamar Chase, fifth. T. Higgins, 33rd, Jermaine Pratt, 72nd, and Logan Wilson, 65th. Miami, their picks were Waddle, Wilkins, Phillips, Holland, Tungavaloa. Those were at 6th, 13th, 18th, 36th, and 5th. And then Robert Hunt at 39th. Dallas, Micah Parsons, 12th, C.D. Lamb, 17th, Trayvon Diggs, 51st, Tony Pollard's an outlier at 128, but running back positional value, and then a first-round pick in Tyler Smith. Nick Bosa, second. Debo Samuel, 36th. Brandon Ayuk, 25th. Dre Greenlaw, big hit, outlier, positional value, linebacker, 148. Talano Hafunga, 180. That's their big boom hit. They also have Elijah Mitchell as a day three running back, but again, positional value. Jets, fourth, third, 10th, 14th. Congrats. You, you hit, <laughs> hit in a three-year window on four picks inside the top 15, and then Brees Hall. Rayshon Slater, 13th. Justin Herbert, 6th. Asante Samuel, 47th. Zion Johnson, 17th. Trey Pipkins, their 5th best player, an adequate starter offensive tackle. They re-signed him this offseason, 91st overall in 2019. Like These are the groups that you're comparing the best crops of retained talent over the last five years against. Miami's runs the deepest. Now, if you just don't like Tua Tungvaloa and you wanted Justin Herbert, like, okay, like, congrats. You sat through this whole podcast for me to tell you something you already know. I'm never going to change your mind. It is what it is. I will never change your mind. If that if that was the straw that broke the camel's back for you with Chris Greer, like, you're always going to be upset about it. And you're always going to want him fired. I don't know what to tell you. But what I can tell you is this. When you put what the Dolphins have to show for the last five years of draft classes, while acknowledging the last two, they have thrown away all their premier assets for premier players in Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb. They still perform at the top of the league in acquiring cornerstone and quality starter level talent. They're the only team with six quality starters slash cornerstones, and they're the only team with four cornerstones. Now, maybe from a positional value standpoint, you might want to have a quarterback that doesn't have durability questions. So if you want to pick those other ones that's in that same bucket, okay. But when you put it across the lexicon of the league and it's all in front of your face, that's why the strategy of hoarding draft picks is important. And the Dolphins did that to get the foundation of this roster in place. Now, I don't think they can afford to continue going at the pace that they are going in trading for premier players. 
The pendulum has to swing back the other way or else you're going to get too far past the tipping point. You're not going to have enough assets. You're going to look like the Rams with what your, what your five-year window of drafting looks like. But guys, if, if Cam Smith hits, we're talking about a hit rate off the off of this five-year sample size of, do the math, God bless me, Two out of every three picks in the top 75 will be considered a hit if Cam Smith is an adequate starter or better. Seems pretty good. And I would say that drafting's probably not the best thing that Chris Greer does. So yes, the missed opportunities with Noah Bonagany and Austin Jackson and Lee Meikenberg, you can bemoan them all you want. If you don't like the quarterback he took in 2020, never going to change your mind. But put it through the spectrum and the perspective of the league and I think it will tell a little bit different story than sitting here obsessing about the individual misses within the Dolphins' incubated world that they live in. It's my thoughts on Chris Greer, and I'm out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day. Shout out to our everydayers who keep it plugged in with us and are locked in on a daily basis. Hit subscribe, follow along with us. Appreciate all you. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great weekend. I'll talk to you all again next week. Peace.